Welcome to the Plus Podcast with Midwest Direct, a marketing and communications company focused on helping marketers develop engaging messages and interpret the results. We deliver over 2 million messages every day that land in mailboxes, inboxes, and show up in online advertising. When your campaign is over, we help our marketers understand their results and plan for future campaigns. We recorded these podcasts to support clients in all the avenues in marketing that you have to execute every day. Subscribe to our series now. This is Michelle Toivonen. I'm Director of Strategic Marketing here at Midwest Direct. And we're back today with um, Gary Seitz, who's the VP of C-Track Direct, and Jean De Palma, who is the Director of C-Track Direct. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take a little bit of a step back and tackle some of the more traditional topics that I know Jean um, can help me sort of talk about and get into that... Typical retail accounts are going to ask for first, especially when they're trying to get up and moving, like new movers or new households, or I'm just going to hand it off to you and say, (laughs) fill me in because I have seen this done a million different ways. And I know you've got a lot of experience with that kind of data file. Just fill us in on what your accounts do or how they like to do it. So in um, this particular case, this new movers or new homeowners program was um, something that they would run once a month. Okay. Um, Again, they're, you know, wanting to go out and prospect, knowing people that are just moving into a home new or first time, whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, um, will be like, I need, you know, I want to get some new furniture. I have this new home and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that case may be. So they're um, always trying to find those people. And we have ways um, here that we work with national compilers that um, are able to give us um, people that have just moved over the last six months. And then you can drill down into that and say, I only want to take the movers over the last four weeks or six weeks or whatever you want to do. It's a rolling six month process. So we would um, go out and obtain this list Mm -hmm. for the client and um, manage it just like we managed their house file. We would take them through. We obviously we had no purchasing history, but we would take them through. We would sign them to the closest store and um, we would do it by saying, "Okay, here are all the zips within a radius of each of their stores. Okay, Um, And which is a fine way to go about doing it. Um, But then as it's, you know, as we started growing through this program, Mm -hmm. they started asking questions and all these other analytics that we have done for them on their customer file. Mm -hmm. How can we apply that in this new movers program is on a prospect file. Does it make sense for us to look at our customers to determine what our hot zip codes are? Where do most of our customers come from that come to the store? Are there Mm -hmm. primary zips and secondary zips that Mm -hmm. make more sense? And should we, be more targeted when we're going after the new homeowner saying, okay, people in these zip codes tend to come to our store more than people in these zip codes mm-hmm. um, and figure out what does that look like and how do we utilize that information to make the program start stronger. So once again, mm-hmm. we go to Gary, our analytical guru, <laughs> and we say, how do we go about looking at this so that we can make more informed decisions? Mm-hmm. And um, I'll let Gary, again, jump into that part of it because it comes down to the dollars around that, the numbers of customers that come in from certain zip codes, and we break it up into three tiers. 
years. Okay. And um, then they would determine, you know, based on how many pieces they wanted to get out, do I only use my first, second, or third tier mm-hmm. of new prospects mm-hmm. or new movers mm-hmm. that I want to pull into this mailing? Mm-hmm. And as with all other mailings, we would do a new homeowner matchback mm-hmm. on the backside yeah. so that they could continue to learn and make adjustments to how their primary and secondary uh, zip codes would lay out. And then that would be adapted and changed, you know, that might not be monthly, but maybe quarterly or um, so on down the road. But we were always adapting that based on the fact that we got their customer file every month and numbers were changing every month. Okay. So I'll let Gary explain how he determined the primary and secondary zips. Thanks. And I think this primary and secondary zip is a fascinating concept right from the start, because I'm sure a lot of mailers, catalog mailers, haven't got the sophistication level just to even manage a secondary zip. So, Well, and, and as Jean mentioned, there was actually a third level. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, well, How do you say that? Third day, Sheldon Sherry? Leonard is my hero. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, what we did was uh, we, we built a zip model. Okay. And we, we took a year's worth of data mm-hmm. uh, and we looked at each zip code and we were looking at where the customers were located and where we were getting responses from, from mm-hmm. the list, where new mm-hmm. customers were coming from. And uh, prior to doing this, their default had been, I think we started it, we just did a 20 mile radius of, of every store. Mm-hmm. And then some stores, based on the density of where they were, closer to a big city, we might take that down to ten miles just, be- just because wow. it's sheer yeah. numbers of it. Sure. Well, sure we ended volume. up taking it down to the individual store level. For example, the store in Manhattan, we found we only needed to go three miles out to get the, the, a, a minimum number of records that they wanted to target at each time. Whereas we'd go out to other more rural areas mm-hmm. and we were using the the full 10 or 15 miles so we actually developed a, a radius by store and then for each location we actually determined where the cutoff was in terms of number of customers and dollars spent wow and identified what we called the primary zip codes these mm-hmm. were the best mm-hmm. and then you had the second level of zip codes where it was marginal um and we felt that there was enough records there to do something, so we created a secondary file. Mm-hmm. And then we found that there were actually outliers. There mm-hmm. were outlying zip codes that were actually going beyond 20 miles, but were performing extremely well. Interesting. Um, and primarily, we found those in Denver. Um, <laughs> just the layout of the Denver area. <laughs> were that there were certain zip codes that performed extremely well, whether it was a regular home or it was a winter home. Okay. Um, or even yeah. a weekend vacation home mm-hmm. uh, that needed to be sure. done. And then the same thing along the seaboards uh, uh-huh. down in Florida yeah. and in the, the North South Carolina area mm-hmm. that we would have outlying zip codes. But they didn't want to miss include, those. But they didn't want to miss them because, right. yes, those were the, the upscale mm-hmm. homes that uh, were a, a target that matched the target or, or profile of a uh, customer of theirs. So we created these three different files. And then when Gene was uh, pulling names in for new movers, but also occasionally on mailings or prospects, that we would use the three different types of files to bring into a mailing to identify uh, the best prospects. So. That's interesting. And so they would use those three different zips and three different... Uh, files. Yeah. Files, thank files. you, to to decide probably what and how they were going to market to each one of those also, right? So 
So for Applied example, information. Yeah. 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 When, the, when the fall campaign came, then we would go back and analyze how well each one of those did. Interesting. Uh, do we still keep those outliers as a part of the, the next campaign and mm-hmm. even the secondary and primary? And we'd find that in some stores, it was primary and secondary. In other stores, it was just the primary. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, of course, when they were mailing, there's key codes assigned to these specific segments, mm-hmm. which allowed us to do those matchbacks and keep adjusting uh-huh. what that primary and secondary look like. Get better results with better data. If you're like many companies, you have limited time and resources and or the expertise needed to maintain accurate, up-to-date information in your CRM. Perhaps you struggle with data silos across your organization, which means your clients get inconsistent services and messaging. Maybe you have good data, but need to find more look-alike audiences or address your biggest fans in new channels or just send more consistent messages in all channels. For help with all of those challenges and more, contact Midwest Direct at 1-800-686-6666 or email info at mw-direct.com. So that started with new movers. That started with new movers. Yeah. Yeah. So we started out as a very, you know, I want to say simple mm-hmm. process in the sense that we're just going to sort of put a radius around everything. Right. And then we're going to be smarter about that radius right. based on what our historical information is telling us. And it just, it, I find it really interesting how the partnership of working with them on an individual basis let this evolve into something that sophisticated and that much information coming back to them to re- use and apply to the marketing campaign the next time they were rolling out in that area or nationwide even. Right. Yeah. They ended up using these as um, selections for their uh, prospect lists. Um, You know, why prospect into certain rural areas that don't have any history? They don't have the type of person that we want uh, in that area. So we, we need to focus more on these zips that perform well for us. Jean, I know that we've now covered a fair amount of what goes on inside of a data audit, but one of the most critical but basic pieces of it is the actual work you do with mail processing itself. And um, we've been talking about some of the things that begin with the accountability to merge and purge within the list, within their own data. Why don't you... Tell us more about how you tackle that for them. Absolutely. So there's several steps prior to a merge, but the merge being uh, one of the biggest steps is to remove duplicates from a file because obviously that's just cost and postage for everything that needs to get out. So Mm -hmm. we do our best to get rid of duplicate records. And to do that, we have always typically done last name and address, which mm-hmm. is works in almost you know ninety percent of the cases. Um, we can do it at a full name and address level or just the address level, depending on how loose or tight you want the merge to be. Because okay. some people want to get to everybody in the household. Mm-hmm. Some people only want one person in the household to get the piece. Um, so that is. Um, part of the process that we run to get the data as clean as we can. Um, In the case of this particular client, though, um, we had to come up with what we would call an enhanced or advanced merge because Mm -hmm. they wanted to look at 
um, all sorts of different ways to get rid of duplicates because you have people that travel in the winter months and might Mm -hmm. be at a different location, um, those kinds of things. So we um, figured out a few different ways to do that. So we'd start out with the basic last name and address, Mm -hmm. and then we might do first name and address. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we might do last name, address, email, Mm -hmm. last name, address, phone number, last name, address, cell phone. And as more, you know, as they start drilling down and we get get tighter and tighter, we Mm -hmm. can remove as many duplicates as possible for people that have given them all sorts of different information. We can still find them matched on two or three keys versus one whole key or whatever. So So. they're pulling CRM information to try and track these people on all levels the best they can. And you were actually able to work through multiple levels of it to get to merging. Yes, exactly. And in, you know, in in some cases that's not necessary to go that deep Mm -hmm. um, because um, they might not have that much information to allow us to go Mm -hmm. that deep. Um, but in this particular case, they have a wealth of information on their mm-hmm. data file. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to use that information to uh, correct as many of the records as we could okay. and keep their print and postage and mail costs down as much as possible. Wow, that sounds like Because you can imagine if you're mailing a 28-page or a 148-page right. catalog, right. you're trying to avoid the yeah. print and the postage on that out the door to right. the same person over and over again. Right. And or multiple people in the same household or something like that, if that's what they're trying to avoid. That's interesting. So and this was something that um, the team developed based on this request. Okay. It wasn't something that it hadn't been part of our standard practice, but as the questions came to us about, well, what about this? Well, this is why we think it's a duplicate because you know, this and this are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, got our, uh, Gary and the data team at the time involved mm-hmm. in like, how can we run this? How many ways, different ways could we run this mm-hmm. um, without overkilling the file? Cause you don't want to miss a really great customer right. or prospect. Right. Um, but you want to make sure that you're, you know, getting it as clean as possible at the same time. Interesting. Gary, I'm sure, sure. that there's been some interesting outcomes with that. Yes. yes. So um, this technology that, that you know, we're using now, this advanced merge allows us to, to match these multiple fields. Mm-hmm. Um, we use it in the merge purge. It, it became a part of the matchback process mm-hmm. also because a, a person may reside in Cleveland, mm-hmm. but they make a purchase in uh, Fort Lauderdale um, mm-hmm. and obviously a completely different address, mm-hmm. but it got linked because either it has the same cell phone number or the same email. Um, we had another client. It, it, it's not this one, but uh, a particular client that um, sells, sold jewelry, jewelry mm-hmm. products mm-hmm. Uh, by direct mail. And one of the things they always captured were anniversary dates and birth dates mm-hmm. uh, because that's important when you want to do a, a, a particular campaign. So in, in their case, the match criteria was the name and the birthday. And mm-hmm. we found individuals that were resident in different states mm-hmm. um, yeah. where either they moved uh-huh. Uh, and didn't fill out a change of address card, or they were traveling and <laughs> yeah. were making a purchase someplace else. And so they recorded their name, their address at the time, but their birthday, and we matched up the records, and we had a full record, uh, first, middle, and last name, and birthday match uh, on record, say, in Ohio and in Arizona at the time. That's really uh, interesting. So, yeah. and then in that case, you could append back, append back additional information so I could reach them in varying yep. channels. And update properly update their RFM. Okay. Um, what their value was, their lifetime oh, value. Yeah. And uh, update their address with it. 
Interesting. Um, with, yeah, because this is not two different people. Yes, it's the same person. So we need to make sure that they properly got credited for those purchases and we can better understand who that customer was. So, uh, yeah, sometimes these are really fun. <laughs> to find they're these. not really fun. No, yeah, I'm just they're not really fun, but my customers are surprised at what they see, that these sorts of things. And, and, and it may even be as minor as it's the same person, the same address, but it's two different apartments because it... It either the apartment number got truncated or it got transposed or, I mean, even in the mm-hmm. case of my mother-in-law, she moved from a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom in the same building. Oh, wow. Um, so she had a, a different apartment number. Right. And then you have, you know, the clients, if they're in their point-of-sale system, every person that's entering into that point of sale system might not enter it exactly the same way. Oh, of course. Or might use a field differently than someone else might use a field. So sure. then you have all, you know, things that can shift and trans truncate and all those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, whenever you're pulling something out of a point of sale across 60 something stores, right. As much as there's probably procedures and processes that you mean you have to do it this exact way. Yeah. It's human nature. Yeah. Everyone's and they're working like, I'm fast go and get it done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, if you don't remember your client number, I'll just give you a new client number. And then how do we tie those together? Cause we know they're the same person and back to the RFM right. and all that. So that is um, part of why we want to help uh, create this type of emerge too. Cause we know that that's coming from information that somebody's, you know, trying to fill in quickly to complete a sale. It reminds me of a, of a prospect that we we're meeting with that was using another service bureau at the time that, uh, exactly as Jean mentioned, customers would come in and make a purchase, but they they wouldn't want to give their address because they didn't want to get sure they didn't want direct mail. Sure, I, I don't know why, but <laughs> they didn't want direct mail. Um, so they would put the store address in, uh-huh. and this would happen over and over and over every day. And the problem they were having was at the end of the month when they updated their file and uh, the mail house did the mailing that the mailman would walk in with a 30. stack of 30, 40 or 50 catalogs, uh, all addressed to the customers who wouldn't give their address. And right. so the clerk entered the store address. So right. uh, as it was a, a required field, but it was sure. a required field. Yeah. Sure. So as a part of our process, we have a routine that suppresses the stores to get uh-huh. those and, and to ensure that if they're in the seed file, they only get one catalog as mm-hmm. opposed to 30 catalogs at the time. So, uh, you know, it's an easy solution, but not everybody thought of it. So, right. Yeah. They were still getting 30 catalogs per store. <laughs> the problems that evolve over time. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> solutions over time. Yeah. Okay. Right. They actually, Very cool. They simple solutions. Yeah. Data is at our core. At Midwest Direct, your data is our focus. Market data, audience data, sales data, it's all information that drives valuable business decisions and can show you how to effectively reach the list of people that do or could spend money with you. But let's talk about how you are interpreting or optimizing your data. More importantly, finding the resources to maintain it. All your data combined can be challenging to keep up with. That's where our data management solutions come in. Contact Midwest Direct at 1-800-686-6666 or email info at mw-direct.com. Wow, so that's a lot of information. Gary, tell me more about how this evolves into tracking with these kinds of accounts, because 
So I know there's more. The back end of the of the the mail process that that Gene actually guides through the shop here is the mail tracking, and uh, it, it actually is an important component, important mm. part of this mm-hmm. um, to know when your mail piece is hitting. Okay. Uh, in some cases, it helps um, retail locations staff if there's a if it's a selected weekend campaign. That oh, yeah. hey, um, there's a problem in well right now. There's a problem in Louisiana and Alabama. Right. Okay. They may have a weekend campaign, but it's not going to work this weekend in in the New Orleans store. Mm-hmm. So we can track the mail delivery and say, hey, there's issues. This piece isn't getting delivered. Um, you may want to cut back, scale back on your staff for that particular location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll want to be aware to honor that because. Customers are going to walk in with those the following Wednesday, and they're going to want that 20% off or 10% mm-hmm. off, whatever that offer was, because it just arrived in the mail. And sometimes they blame the Postal Service, and sometimes they blame the mailer. But uh, in the case of this retail customer, the, the mail is being tracked, and in, in we usually track about 10% um, because they're they're dropping anywhere from one to three million catalogs. Okay. Um, smaller mailers, uh, 100,000 or less, we may track every single piece to see when it's going to... It depends on the offer and, and right. the customer. Right. Uh, but we've had situations where we're watching the tracking and we're seeing certain locations where we're not getting tracking information. Mm-hmm. And we can back that up because they're not getting the foot traffic in the stores mm-hmm. and the sales volumes mm-hmm. so that we can start to contact the logistics company. And we've had situations where, you know, with a few phone calls uh, where there's missing mail, we find out that, well, they made the delivery to the post office, but they forgot a pallet of catalogs or they may not have made a delivery or all of that mail is still sitting somewhere and hasn't been taken to the post office yet. And then in that case, they have the information, first of all, and second of all, the partner to go back and try and help figure out. So What's it, happening and who to contact. Right. And- Either we can initiate it if we're involved in the mailing process, but if, if they outsource their print and mail to somebody else, mm-hmm. um, we can give them the information that they can work with the logistics firm to track these down. Interesting. And, and we've had cases, and it's it's more than once, and it's it's not always the post office. Sometimes it is. <laughs> it, it gets delivered, and it's sitting in, sitting there because it's standard class mail. Mm-hmm. It, it is a priority, but other times it's logistics mm-hmm. firms that don't get the piece there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we can help with that information to find out where that mail might be. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The front end of that, if you're getting ready to do a mailing, and um, we're aware that there's been a natural disaster somewhere, mm-hmm. as we've had a lot of that in 2020 year, with yeah. hotspots of COVID mm-hmm. and yeah. hurricanes California and right now. fires in California and all of oh that. My gosh. Yeah. You know, we are um, obviously mm-hmm. very close in relation with the post office and all that. So we can provide back to our clients, here are your disaster zip codes. So you're probably not going to want to mail into to these right now because they're going to be down for a certain period of time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, help, it, it helps again in that scenario, then they can just pull right. that out of the mailing, hold it for, um, you know, the next mailing or do it in a, you know, separate mailing Which for is that gonna, particular area, because yeah. what's the point of doing it if you can't get it to them and there's nowhere to, not going to the shop, you're not going shopping typically after a natural disaster or whatever. So we can do it from the, from the front end, try to get that 
you know, get them aware of that and so that they don't mail. And then from the back end, we can track it if something doesn't make it out in the time that we thought it was going to. And it's it's interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking out at put my marketing cap on and thinking that directly affects my ROI. If I know that a lot of mail is not going to be delivered in a key zone, like let's say LA and California, or it's going to be late, my ROI numbers aren't going to look right if I haven't moved that out. So it's really important business intelligence in the end to have that. Yep. And that's not to mention the logistics of it. Right. Right. Right? Exactly. And in front of all of that is the very first step that we tell everybody is clean data is what's going to drive everything else. Right. Right. The most basic, the most basic part of it that, you know, because you get, and we're, we're at our fault of that sometimes ourselves. There's, you know, we get so involved in this, the, the, you know, the intensity of what they're looking for. And we're like, Oh, let's look at this. And how about if we do this and this and that or whatever? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what are the results and how do we, you know, all that, all the the fun and fancy stuff of it or whatever you said, we all sort of need to step back and remember that the best part about all of this. And the most important part about all of this is that how clean is the data? Mm -hmm. So the importance of making sure that when we have, taking your house file and run it through our hygiene process. And we've given you back records that we consider undeliverable that you either flag them in your system or try to update them in your system. We'll give you back movers, you know, that we have found Mm -hmm. so that you can, again, we will have updated it prior to the mailing. So it Mm -hmm. gets to the person, but you need to be aware of that in your CRM Mm -hmm. so that you can clean that up and make sure that, you know, because over time, that NCOA file rolls off and now you're right. not going to be able to catch them again. And then you're right. back into a cycle of having bad records within there. So clean um, data mm-hmm. is, you know, the biggest key that's going to drive everything else that we're doing behind it. And I would assume if they are using a my portal, a, a customized portal version of this as well, that data gets to stay clean. They can always access it from there too. That's correct. Yeah. That's because in this particular case, we are maintaining their uh, mm-hmm. customer file in the portal for them. Mm-hmm. So after an update, it's going right back in there and it's staying clean. That's so that's a you know benefit for them because mm-hmm. not everybody has the ability to staffing. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know yeah. who's going to take care of this? So I'm going to think you're going to take care. I'm going to take yeah. who's going to take care of it. You know, there's right. really a role necessarily in that world right. um, for someone to do that for them. So right. that again, again is another great reason for using a, a service bureau that can provide these services for you. But clean data mm-hmm. is your most important first step. You know, it's funny is we did one of these audits for another client of ours mm-hmm. down in Columbus and, and same thing is clean data is the, the key. So what they asked for is, is can you give me these records? And of course we can select them off and give them to you and you can research them on the internet, white pages, that kind of, there's a multitude of places that you can do these searches. So they actually um, hired a retiree mm. and she comes in <laughs> one day a week and sits down with the list and goes and looks them up and she fixes them. And they may sort them by using the RFM code, Mm -hmm. the people that are either the most recent or have spent the most amount of money that are showing up with something wrong with the address, whether it's a transposed or truncated digit or missing apartment number or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it costs them a minimal amount of money to have her just sit down and she can key in the records Mm -hmm. and then they send them with their update at the end of the month. 
uh, and have those records fixed. Yeah. So, so you, no matter how small you are, I mean, yeah. at some point, somebody somewhere has to actually yes. manage that data and yeah. all the way up to somebody who's fully automated with the SQL server cleanup <laughs> running <laughs> and an API. Yes. Uh, one way or another, it's got to start with the clean data. Right. And that's a pretty good way to end on yeah. today's data audit. Gene, is there anything we missed that you want to add? I don't think there's anything we missed for this particular audit. I think we, you know, have covered a lot of things. So again, if there's questions, yeah, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Gary and I are both here and available to answer any questions. And we didn't get into any of our profiling or list oh, acquisition we'll kind back. of thing, but we'll, you know, that's another whole topic in and of itself. Yeah. that we can get into. So uh, we can come back and talk more about customer profiling and acquisitions. And we can't wait to have you back for the next round. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. These are good audits where you don't get a tax bill. Thank one. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Achieve all your marketing goals with Midwest Direct. Contact us at mw-direct.com or call us at 1-800-686-6666 and get started today. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel now. You don't want to miss any of our fun upcoming announcements.